With your Bible or device, please join me in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, I will begin reading with verse 22. Take a deep breath now and just receive God's love and God's word as a gift to us. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. And that word worshipped in the construction of the sentence means to do reverence to or to bow down. The picture we have here is that Jesus and Peter get back into the vessel and the disciples are giving reverence to Jesus. They are bowing down to him. You really are the son of God, they exclaim. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Matthew records for us what is a pretty popular and miraculous scene in Scripture that results in Peter, one of the followers, one of the disciples of Jesus, getting out of the boat and walking on the water to Jesus for a period of time. However, he gets overwhelmed with what he saw, the wind and the waves, and he begins to sink in the water, of course, Jesus is there to rescue him. Giovanni Lanfranco was a very well-known Italian artist who painted this fresco of Jesus saving Peter from the water somewhere between 1627 and 1628. Besides Jesus in the painting reaching out with his strong arm and with all of his compassion to rescue Peter. That's a dynamic part of the painting. 
And besides Peter looking up longingly to Jesus, saying, please rescue me. My favorite part of the painting is the disciple in the back who's got one arm up and his scarf is flying in the wind. And I can just imagine him saying, Peter, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm just here and I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar up from the ashes, right? He's having a great time, and he's raising a hallelujah. In 1627, I don't think Giovanni had that song in mind, but you never know, right? Francois Boucher, a French artist, created this painting of Peter being invited to walk on the water in 1766. While we don't know exactly what this scene looked like, the artwork gives us a picture of what may have happened with this dynamic event where Jesus walks on the water and Peter asks Jesus to invite him to do the same. Peter does that. He loses sight of Jesus because of the wind and the storm and he sinks and Jesus rescues him. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but we do know that this was a miraculous event. As I think about this story in Matthew chapter 14 and faith in God, my faith, your faith, our faith as a church, it sure seems like there are some days where we are ready just to climb out of the boat because we see Jesus and we look at him and we say, Jesus, here we are together. Let's walk on the water and let's raise a hallelujah and every other religious word known to humanity and let's do this. And we are just, we're ready to go. We're ready. And I don't know why I'm boxing, but you know what I mean. We're ready to walk on the water with Jesus. There are days where we feel like that and then there are days where we sink below the waterline and we look up in desperation and cry out and say, Jesus, help me, save me, rescue me. I just finished a book by Ronald Rollheiser called Wrestling with God. And he makes two points about this event in Peter's life. The first point is that faith has its ups and downs. And I think we know that to be true. The second point is that faith works best when we don't confuse it with our own powers. Or we could say that faith works best when we don't confuse it with our own abilities or intellect. So faith, as we think about our faith individually, but also our faith corporately, it has ups and downs, it has high points and dips. And faith works best when we don't confuse it with other things and when we do not neglect that which is important. Because when we neglect or when we lose sight of important things, 
especially when it comes to our faith in God, it can lead to a lot of trouble. For the past eight weeks, we have been considering areas of spiritual formation and just thinking about them and saying, here is an area of life that we should not neglect. And that has been the challenge for the past eight weeks. Here is a way to be spiritually formed into the image of God's beloved son. And let's not neglect this because all of the areas we have discussed, they matter. And to cite the parable that Benjamin Franklin shared so many years ago, one final time, for want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. And for want of a horse, the rider was lost, being overtaken and slain by the enemy, all for want of a little care about a horseshoe nail. The point of the parable is that neglect of small things could lead to a lot of problems in life. And we are applying that to us spiritually to say, we do not want to neglect things that matter spiritually. We don't want to neglect these things because they matter as we seek to live out our faith in our day and in our time in this cultural moment. So let's review where we've been. In week one, we said, do not neglect to trust in Jesus. That's where it all begins. Week two, do not neglect to use your spiritual grace gift in unity with others to accomplish God's purposes. Week three, do not neglect to make great God-centered choices as we live in our cultural moment so that we do not lessen spiritual power. We have the power of God in the person of Christ available to us, and we don't want to do anything to lessen that spiritual power. Week four, do not neglect to follow the good shepherd who wants us to truly flourish with a beyond kind of life. Week five, do not neglect to choose living in the presence of God. As followers, we can choose to neglect that and not live in his presence, but we don't want to neglect that. We want to live fully in the presence of God and be alive and awake to him. Week six, do not neglect to teach the next generation about the Lord. Week seven, do not neglect to be directed by God the Holy Spirit. In week eight, we said, do not neglect to live beautiful and compelling lives of faith because the world needs to see that. And here we are concluding this theme with week nine, and this is our big idea for today. Do not neglect to choose spiritual formation. And I want to use the rest of our time today to share with you a beautiful spiritual formation pathway that I believe can make a significant difference and help us honor God as we point other people to his grace and his goodness and the love of Christ. I hope that you have enjoyed walking through this theme. It is certainly my hope and my prayer that we are equipped as a church to say, 
Let's take our lives and in the name of Jesus, get to work doing something significant. Let's raise the bar on what it means to follow and be with Jesus as an apprentice. The challenge, I think, is how do you remember these eight statements? And the reality is, let's be honest, we're not going to remember them. It's not like we're going to say, you know, on this week I really need to go back to the third statement and unpack that and make sure that on Sunday through Saturday I'm doing what it said. We're probably not going to do that, yet the value of these things is so important and we can't, we shouldn't neglect them. So I want to share with you three key words that I believe can drive our spiritual formation. We find these three words in our vision map as a church. It's what we're seeking to do as we gather, as we worship, as we get into smaller groups, as we go and serve and love others without expecting anything in return. Everything in our church is really pointed to these three words. So I believe our vision map provides a beautiful spiritual formation pathway, a way to not have little faith. That's what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, you're, you're sinking, you're falling. Why do you have little faith? And I know God has said that about me at times. And perhaps you feel the same way. So how can we get on a spiritual path that helps us not to have little faith? Well, it's captured in the three words, worship, connect, and go. Those are more than three words on the front of our building as you enter into these doors. This is our how as a church. How do we grow up into fully formed followers of Jesus? How can we mature spiritually? How can we move out of dark nights of the soul? And perhaps you feel like you're in a dark night of the soul right now and you're experiencing that in some way. How do we move out of those seasons where we are under the waterline and wondering if the strong arm of Jesus will ever save us? Our spiritual formation path helps with that. How can we avoid worshiping idols that leave us spiritually empty and dead? How can we live out our faith, navigating all of life's ups and downs while keeping our eyes on Jesus himself? How can we not have little faith? Worship, connect, and go. We describe it this way. Worship, this is where I deepen my friendship with God and choose to be faithful to him. It's what you're doing right now as we come together as a community of faith and sit with each other and stand and sing and pray and listen to the word of God and open our lives and our hearts to being spiritually shaped by it. That's our worship. It's where I deepen my friendship with God and we desperately need this. It's part of our spiritual formation. Connect. 
This is where I deepen my friendship with others and choose accountability in living for Jesus in community with others. It's where we purposely choose to get out of rows and into circles where we can look at each other and love and care and receive love and care and have accountability and people who say, you know, you probably shouldn't say that or do that and I'm here with you and for you and I'm praying alongside of you and please pray for me. That's connect. Go. This is where I use the one life I have been given to make a difference where I live, work, and play. It's leaving the safety and the beauty of the gathered body and saying outside of here are people who desperately need to see someone apprenticing with Jesus with love and compassion and truth all balanced together. Worship, connect, and go. It is our spiritual formation pathway that answers how. And we may not remember eight different statements in for want of a nail, but I think we can remember, I need to give my life to worshiping and connecting and going. And when I do all three of these things together, well, that equals kingdom discipleship, and it presents a way for people to look up and see a caring God. Now, here is something that I have been considering as I seek to not have little faith, and I'm trying to word this and establish it, and I want to share it with you, and feel free to give me some feedback. What does it look like if we don't have time to do all of these things? Right? Because that's what we always say. I'm really busy. Have you ever met someone who said, I'm not busy? It's like everybody's busy doing all of the same things, and no one knows how to slow the pace or say no. So do we really have time to worship, connect, and go? It kind of seems like a lot. Maybe I can focus on two of these aspects and hope for the best. And spiritual formation doesn't really work that way because we can't neglect important things. So we need worship and connect and go working together. So let me just share this with you, and I want to thank Church of the City, New York, because I use some of the language that they have and put ours with it to come up with these statements. So let's think about this. Worship and connect without go. If I choose those two things, worshiping and connecting without go, well, that can lead to deficient pietism or religious devotion that is tone deaf to suffering and yields little action on behalf of the hurting and the oppressed. So I may be worshiping with the historic body, which is a beautiful thing, and I may be connecting with others, but if I don't leave and go, I may be missing out on serving the marginalized and the vulnerable and not hearing their cries to Jesus, who hears them and sees them. Connect and go without worship, well, that can lead to shallow reverence, where responding to God's greatness with the church body is excluded and spiritual roots do not deepen. So maybe I connect with others and I'm going, doing great things and giving justice to the world, 
but do I really have to worship with the body of Christ? Well, this is where we gather to deepen our spiritual roots and we look around and sense there are other people making the same choice and their faith lifts our weakness. What about go and worship without connecting? Well, that can lead to brassy arrogance that becomes critical without accountability and time with others who help us. So we need to be with others so that they can sharpen us and we have the opportunity to sharpen them as well together. When worship, connect, and go come together now, this leads to true kingdom discipleship, allowing us to live out our salvation and develop a walk with God that can meet cultural needs. So church, this is where we want to be. We need all three components of this spiritual formation pathway. We need to worship, connect, and go. That's what equals true kingdom discipleship, allowing our lives to develop a walk with God that meets cultural needs while also living out our salvation dynamically before others. Church, let's do this. Let's give our best time and attention and passion to worshiping, connecting, and going. Let's do this. Back to Matthew chapter 14. Verse 31 says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, grabbed Peter. You have so little faith, Jesus said. It's little. The words little faith means possessing comparatively little trust. So Peter, your trust is really small. And you doubted me. Why did you do that? Doubt here in the sentence means to waver. So Jesus is basically saying here, the littleness of your trust has caused you to waver. Think about that. The smallness of your faith, Peter, it's caused you to waver. Church, let's not waver. Let's say I have one life and I have one horseshoe nail and I want to place my one life, my future, my dreams, my hopes, my family, my money, my sexuality, my opinions, my everything on the altar before God and worship, connect, and go and experience spiritual formation that way. Worshiping, connecting, and going. Question. Does this work? Does it actually work? When the body of Christ, like us, say, we're going to give our all to worshiping, connecting, and going so we can really have true kingdom discipleship. It does work. I've seen it happen. And I long to see it again and again, and I'm sure you feel the same way. 
I know it happens because there are stories about our church saying we're going to worship and connect and go, and it will make a difference in the lives of others. I have one story to share with you. It's the story of Stephen Ragney. You can see Stephen on the screens. Here he is serving in a love day with Debbie Berry, Stacy Cummings, and Tanya. Our love days are opportunities for us to gather every other month on a Saturday and we clean, repair, and restore. I think they were getting Christmas lights ready for Melmark just to make their season bright and we were going to go and decorate and Stephen was part of that and he loved these events. Stephen saw people here at Valley Point Church worshiping, connecting, and going and it dramatically transformed him. Stephen's story begins with him sitting in the parking lot for several Sundays in a row, not coming into our church. But he dropped off his son, Anthony. Anthony had been invited by someone to come, and Anthony was walking through some challenges in life, and he thought it might help. So he started coming, but he wasn't able to drive, and so his dad brought him, and Anthony went inside the church and Stephen sat in the parking lot. And then his son would come out after church and they would go home and they did that several weeks in a row. Stephen began to see in Anthony a change as Anthony gave his life to Jesus. He said, yes, I believe and I want to follow him as best as I can. And so Stephen began to wonder if they were able to help my son maybe I can have help as well. And so he came to church for the first time and experienced a Sunday like this. Stephen reached out to me and said, can I meet with you and talk? I said, I'd love to meet. So we got together and he sat in my office and with tears, just streaming down his face, looked at me and said, can I be here? Can I come? Is there a spot? Is there a place for me? And I looked at him and said, yeah, there's a spot for you. And I want you to be here. And you're going to love Valley Point. Please come. We'll have a cup of coffee for you and a seat. And I hope that you'll keep coming. And he did. In time, Stephen gave his life to Jesus. He trusted Christ. He was a sweet Italian man. And he always called me pasta. But it kind of sounded like pasta, which made me hungry all the time. Stephen loved this church, and he grew spiritually. It was really an amazing thing to see. And my life was changed, and our church was changed as a result of what was happening to him. Life was not always easy for Stephen. He battled many things in life. But he faced uncertainty with the assuredness of a loving Savior. And on many days, that's all he had. The assuredness of a loving Savior. And I know that to be true because I was with Stephen on many of these days. That's all he had. But he would hang on to Jesus. 
as he kept crying out to rescue me and save me. In 2021, health challenges took their toll. On October 17th, 2021, we celebrated our 50th birthday as a church. It was a great day. And Stephen texted me that morning and said, Good morning, Pastor Eric. I'm so saddened that I can't be there today celebrating 50 years of God's love for Valley Point Church. I will remember our walk to our beautiful new church. I love God and Valley Point Church. Have a blessed day. I didn't get that text until later because I don't generally have my phone with me on Sunday morning. But I got home and opened up my phone and saw that text, and I responded and said, you were with us. We're grateful for you. Stephen replied and said, yes, I was there remembering our journey walking to our new church that God gave Valley Point and surrounding communities. I am home at Valley Point Church and he threw in a 100% emoji. And then he said, I'll text you later on this week for an update on my treatments. Please tell your family I was asking for them. I love you. His text to me was at 10.03 p.m., and that was the last text I received from Stephen. Somewhere between 10.03 and midnight, he passed and stepped into eternity, into the arms of Jesus. I am so grateful for my time with Stephen because he changed me and he changed our church. In this room are more Stevens. People wondering, is this place for me? Can I be here? Do I belong? And certainly outside of here are many Stevens. As they drive by this church or hear about us, that wonder, is this place somewhere I can go? Do I belong? Is there a place for me? May we Worship, connect, and go. These aren't just great words. It's a spiritual formation pathway that helps people like Stephen look up and understand that God cares and he sees and he loves. So may we worship, connect, and go so that we can continue being the life-saving station that God has called us to be and God desperately needs us to be for our surrounding communities. Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulish developed what they call the critical journey. It's stages in the life of faith. It's basically a spiritual formation pathway. And they don't use the language of worship, connect, and go, but there's a lot of overlap. As they conclude their work, they state, and I think this is really good for us, as we think about our spiritual formation pathway and worship, connect, and go. They said, we urge you to seek the high road, to yield to God and not limit God's ways to any human paradigm. In the long run, it is perhaps best to know about the stages and then not fret about them. Rather, just let God be God 
in your lives. I have one takeaway for us, and that is do not neglect purposely choosing spiritual formation as it leads to a life of faith that is not little. It seems like the bar for being a Christian is pretty low anymore. It doesn't take much. A little bit of this here and there, come to church once in a while, keep quiet as culture rages and offers no solutions to the real questions of life. The challenge today is to get a vision of something big for your spiritual life. Set standards for your faith that are not lukewarm or not prone to Christian consumerism. Risk a little. Allow your heart to be broken by the things that break the heart of Jesus. Get around people who are spiritually on fire. Step out of the boat, and when you fall and sink, which you will, reach out to the compassionate and strong arm of Jesus who sees and loves and is there for you. So church, let's raise the bar on what it looks like and what it means to apprentice with Jesus because he is worthy. And this isn't just about doing more and making people feel guilty about not being involved in things. So don't think that we just have to do more. It's about building your capacity through spiritual formation like worshiping, connecting, and going. Let God be God in your life. Step out in faith like Peter. Use your life to push against the darkness. Keep eyes on Jesus for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Father, we come to you so thankful for how you interacted with Peter so many years ago. It's beautiful and convicting. And here is this disciple who was willing to risk and step out of the boat, but yet he still struggled with little faith, small faith. God, would you call us up as a church to raise the bar on what it looks like and what it means to follow Jesus and apprentice with him. God, help us to do that. Help us to look at every area of our life and just open it to you and say, we want to be on this spiritual formation path of worshiping, connecting, and going. All three are needed so that we don't have a deficient religious experience so that we don't become arrogant and tone deaf to the world around us. God, help us to step into this because it equals and it means true kingdom discipleship and the world desperately needs this. So God, I stand before you today as someone committing to this wholeheartedly. 
to the spiritual formation pathway. I don't want to neglect it. So help me. God, I pray this over our church today as we conclude for want of a nail. We're not going to remember all of these statements and words and passages, but God, would you help us to remember as we step out of here in a moment and get in our cars and go home and begin a new work week, begin a new week of school and all the activities involved in our lives, would you just keep bringing to the forefront of our minds, disrupt us with worshiping and connecting and going and help us to say no to good things and even fun things so that we can be on a spiritual formation pathway that invites students. And those like him, wondering if there's a, a place at the table for them, to come and taste and see that the Lord is really good, really good. So God, help us all to be that kind of faith community. Help us. I'd just like for you to keep praying for a moment. What is God whispering into your heart about what he wants for you? talk to him give that to him thank him and ask for his help stand with me, church. God, here we stand in your presence, your church. We humble our lives before you and invite you now to use us God, help us as we exit to choose worshiping, connecting, and going. Knowing that it works and it makes a difference, not just for us, but for others. Use Valley Point to keep being that life-saving station you have called us to be. We ask for this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Church, you are loved.